0: com slash ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping, dailyharvest.com Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting After learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 198 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Crystal Lowry. Crystal lives in Indiana where she works in biotech using artificial intelligence to diagnose heart disease. And she is also a comedy writer. Very cool. Such a diverse set of career paths.
1: (laughs) I know. Totally different. And yet, I love them both. And I'm going to always do both of them, not one or the other. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We have so many facets to our personalities, right? I know. Well, and that's the thing, too, is you you do kind of what brings you happiness and and hearts and humor both bring me happiness.
0: And I love that you get that you have the science side and also, you know, the creative side. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot of probably science to being creative as well. Oh, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Like the science of joke writing. There is a formula for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you really understand that, it makes such a difference, I, Mm -hmm. I bet. It's kind of like seeing how the sausage is made, too. I can watch a stand-up comedy special, and I really enjoy it. But I will also deconstruct how they wrote the joke to like, see how they did that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, you know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that?
1: Like a lot of your listeners, I have a long and storied 20-year dieting career. I gained about 30 pounds in college, and that was after a teenage eating disorder that I was trying to heal from. So a lot of people after something like that will just overcorrect and the pendulum swings basically where you think that any restriction at all is bad. So then you just keep on gaining and gaining. So then by the time I was in my 20s, I was actually in a really good mental place. I had recovered from all of that and I was finally ready to take on all those pounds I had packed on but I had really bad information and I had insulin resistance from all of the bad diet, et cetera. I spent 20 years just doing every diet you can imagine. So one time my friend and I were actually looking at how many things we'd done and we, we started writing it down and had two pages worth of just Isn't like – Isn't that funny? Oh, my gosh. Just everything. So I, I tried Crazy like – Crazy stuff. I know. Like the bars, the macros, locale. I was a vegan at one point. I was a really bad vegetarian. I was like a French fry vegetarian – Okay. <laughs> where you eat like chocolate and french fries well you know what like a girl scout cookie thin mints are vegan i know so you could just like eat the that's eat the way mints. i did those diets by the way when i would do a restrictive
0: diet <laughs> starting with my very first one the low fat diet of the 90s when everybody you know was
1: doing that i was like this is amazing spaghettios have no fat i know well and that's the thing too <laughs> when i decided to be a vegan i went to agb a store in texas I went straight to the ice cream section and got some sort of like oat milk ice cream or something. Right. Started. This is a great diet. I, know. I love it. I'm a vegan now. Marshmallow vegan. Oh my God. Yeah. So, right. You know, I was kind of caught up in that whole calories in, calories out paradigm. So I was running half marathons and my, my math was on point every day. I knew exactly the amount of calories. And so it was really frustrating. I always had this calorie deficit, but I didn't. I didn't have the results, so I would rework the math. Here's where someone would tell you that you
0: just were really yes. bad at the math. Yeah, yeah, and especially, yeah. you know, I'm sure someone who does, you know, artificial intelligence biotech <laughs> with, with hearts is probably, it's probably your math skills, right? Crystal. No, I know. You're just lying to yourself. I mean, you can't count how many cookies you really right, had. Right, right. That see, that's the, well, if you were just counting correctly, it's, you're just clearly doing it wrong.
1: Yeah, like it was, it's got to be the math. I have to be... Underestimating how much I eat or overestimating my movement, and you forgot about those ten cookies. Yeah, I didn't carry the one. That's what it, that's what happened. Yeah. I never, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and that was really frustrating because, quite honestly, I've always been fantastic at math, right? So what I would do then would I would say, okay, well, obviously this apple that I ate is worth much more than than I thought. So what do you do? You then go to the prepackaged foods because there's no way you oh, can yeah. screw up the math there. Right. right. So I kept Adkin's bars in business for, you know, several yeah. years, but I still wasn't losing weight or I, if anything I was just maintaining kind of at the very top of the BMI where I needed to be. And so it wasn't a point where I was obese and I needed to complain and people would say, "Oh, just be body positive. You're healthy-ish." But I knew that I was not getting the payoff that I was really, really working for. Like you can't run that much and limit your intake that much and then still be at the very top of your BMI. Right. You mentioned that you were insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
0: what indications did you have that you were insulin resistant? You probably were. I'm reading Benjamin Bickman's Why We Get Sick. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fascinating deep dive into all things insulin resistance. So I'm certain that you were, but what were your indications?
1: When you have that frustration, you just start Googling, right? I had skin tags all over my trunk. Big clue. All over. Yeah. And I think what it actually came from was when I was a little kid, I had strep throat all the time. And so I was on antibiotics all the time, but that's, you know, in the eighties back when you, we didn't know much about probiotics and the gut microbiome. So I think that I, it killed off all of the good Mm -hmm. BCs in my, in my tummy. And then the bad BCs always wanted sugar, right? Because now that I've kind of balanced it out, I had my toddlers out. I don't do antibiotics very much. I don't really struggle with those intense sugar cravings anymore. So it's just amazing how the how your gut microbiome can produce cravings in you.
0: That really is an excellent point. And real quick about that for anybody who's hearing that and maybe like, what? It's true. Whatever population lives in your gut drives your cravings. And so if you've got a very high population that's been raised, your gut microbiome has been raised on ultra-processed foods, mm-hmm. those bars you were eating, mm-hmm. all that stuff, you know, might have a lot of added vitamins and minerals, but that's not feeding your gut. Yeah, What it needs, it wants the apple that you decided not to eat because it didn't have a nutrition label. Exactly. The, the apple's what feeds the good guys. And the more you can, you might have to white knuckle through the cravings for a while mm-hmm. as you shift what you're eating because your gut bacteria really drive a lot of cravings and feelings and emotions. But if you can just gradually over time shift your gut to a healthier population, they're going to start craving the good things. And
1: they'll they'll tell you, hey, now I want to eat Brussels sprouts. Yep. And it's crazy. Yeah. Do probiotics and, and really mm. work on that gut. It really matters. But yeah, with the insulin resistance, it was, I mean, difficulty losing weight and skin tags just... All over. And I've researched that. And I think what that stems from is glycation in your collagen. Okay. From okay. a high systemic blood sugar. But so I had them all removed at the dermatologist and I've been doing fine. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, most, a lot of times people, they just fall right off. Yeah. When they... they did not do that for me, unfortunately. They okay. were very stubborn, but um, stubborn. yeah, we took care of them. Well, that's
0: good. Yeah you were still frustrated through that calories in, calories out. And then what what happened next?
1: Well, actually, it's sort of funny. I accidentally did intermittent fasting for four months when I was engaged. And that was just because, you know, when you're a new bride and you want to look perfect in your wedding pictures, right? But I thought I was doing something wrong. I had like a pretty generous, maybe five-hour eating window, but it was like in the morning time. And then from the afternoon onward, I wouldn't eat anymore. But I kept it a secret because I thought that, that was a big no-no, and, and I was terrified that people would say, oh, you're shutting down your metabolism, and you're hurting yourself, and, and I did end up dropping weight for my wedding and looking fabulous, but then you get married, you move in, and you can't keep up that charade, right? So I went right back, and, uh, and then I wouldn't say I went back to my heaviest because I was really, really counting the calories and the macros and the exercise, but never where I deserved to be. Not where you felt your best. No. Yeah. And then about four years ago, I was having problems with my gallbladder. So I had to kind of go on gut rest. I realized I was doing fine. I was fasting quite a bit, but I felt fine about it. And I thought, well, this is, this is strange. This is supposed to be hurting me. And this is supposed to be really terrible for me. So I did some Googling again and I stumbled upon intermittent fasting as a lifestyle about four years ago. And I've never looked back. And I just regret that I didn't find it 20 years ago. But what do you do?
0: Well, that's it. You can't go back. You know, when time travel happens, we could all go back until our younger selves. So when you were dabbling in intermittent fasting, but didn't know that's what you were doing. Was part of your mind thinking back to, oh, this might be like the yeah, eating disorder knew, kind yes, of a yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's why I felt really guilty about it.
0: Right. Do you mind talking about your eating disorder from high school? No. Here's the thing. We always say, you know, the official word is if you have a history of an eating disorder, don't do intermittent fasting or make sure you're talking to a counselor. But Mm -hmm. you know what the warning signs are. You know what they were for you. and. We actually have a lot of people in the fasting community who were like, I used to have an eating disorder a long time ago, and there was a lot of shame with that. Mm -hmm. And now I finally, now with intermittent fasting, I have finally have a healthy relationship with my body and the food.
1: Yeah. So for me, going back to my little teenage self, it was about control. It was about, I did not have a voice. I was pretty much a doormat. I was in a very strict religion. There was a lot of things externally that were controlling. And I felt the only way I could show my pain and my heart was through the eating disorder. Now that person from all those years ago is unrecognizable to me because internally I've done all this healing where I would never think that I couldn't express myself anymore. I feel completely comfortable and secure in myself and I wouldn't need to express myself in any other way than a healthy way. Yeah, I I get it that if you still haven't done the internal healing, you should pause and really do some self inventory before you launch into intermittent fasting. But for me, I'm just such a different person than I was all those years ago that it doesn't even occur to me that, which is really funny because you do get haters out there that are like, you're you have an eating disorder, and I'm like, no, honey, I know what an eating disorder looks like, and right. also I had an eating disorder, yeah, <laughs> and that was different. It was so different, and I also eat more calories now than most people do that are not fasters. See, that's the part that also there's still a lot of
0: people. I mean, and look. I acknowledge, I talk about this in fast, feast, repeat. We don't encourage calorie counting because there's so many flaws like you experienced with your math being on point and you couldn't drop the weight. And now you're eating more calories and lost the weight and feel great. And I mean, that math is pretty evident. But there is a point you could overeat even mm-hmm. with intermittent fasting and gain weight. I mean, it's not, that doesn't mean that, oh, I shouldn't count calories. Eating is unlimited. No, you know, yeah. amount does matter. You can still overeat, but you're finding you can eat more. Yeah. Yeah. Than you were before.
1: Yeah. Well, and the reason I keep track is because I do ADF now and I have to get enough okay. calories, which is really funny. So I would say every week I eat. Somewhere between 12,000 and 13,000 calories, which for someone, I'm a small person. And so that's about 1,800 a day, which is plenty yeah. for someone my size. Whereas when I was on the diet train, I'm talking 1,400 or less. The really horrible, small, sad meals. If I have to even look in another Dan and Light and Fit yogurt, I might punch someone. No, you know, like It's uh, terrible. I can tell you the calorie content of, of like a pickle. I eat more now and it's simply because of the rest my body gets from digestion and the rest it gets from insulin.
0: Absolutely. And and really, we understand when we look into the science of those low-calorie diets and eating all day, you're never fueling your body well, ever. So yeah. you're living in a constant state of fuel deprivation yeah. with that 1,400 calories a yeah. day. So your body does downregulate your metabolism to deal with it. And so calories out, you're trying really hard to control calories in. But then your body's like, well, I'm just going to burn less. I know, I you're, know. you're not tricking me. But with fasting… It's just so very different because we have the the fast where our bodies are actually up regulating metabolism unless you fast too long, right? But the brief fasts that you're doing, and then you have the up day where you're definitely feeding your body well. Oh, for so your sure. body does not yeah. feel that deprivation. Yeah. So how do you structure your your ADF? Life? Well, no, let's go back. Let's come okay. back to the ADF. But <laughs> yeah. when you first started intermittent fasting about four years ago, you said you just did some searching on the internet. Mm-hmm. How did you begin?
1: I just went right into one meal a day. Like that just seemed the easiest okay. for me. It really, I really loved it. I, about two years ago when the pandemic hit, I switched to ADF just because I wanted to boost all of my immunity since I do work in a hospital. I kind of just loved it. So I never stopped. See, I love hearing
0: that because a lot of people have a lot of fear surrounding ADF. Yeah. It sounds so hard. And, and also, they're like, what about, you know, I don't want to eat all day again. And I like, but some people try it and love it like you. And you're yeah. like, this is the way. This yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah.
1: Well, that's because I love eating. Like, small, little, tiny meals make me really sad. So I don't do, like, the 500-calorie yeah. down day. i just like, oh, I'd just rather fast just, on through. Yeah, I'd rather fast on through and then hit up 3,000 calories the next day and enjoy it.
0: Right. That's the way I when I was doing ADF it was like 2016 right after the obesity code came out. That's the way I preferred to because a little meal I had a hard time stopping. Oh but then gosh, there's a yeah. lot of people who can do that. That's the way they naturally eat. They naturally like to eat a little bit at a time. I'm not that person. You're not that person. No,
1: I like I like big meals. I like satisfying yeah. meals. So yeah, ADF really works for me. And then I also have a great support system of of friends that do ADF. So we just if we're struggling, we text each other and and it's it goes really well. I love that. So tell me about how you
0: how you structure your ADF. Are you strict ADF or do you have like daily pattern of like, I was more 4-3. I think my down days were, what were they? Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Because so, then I had like
1: Friday and Saturday were Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah Super fun. <laughs> I do 4-3 as well. So I fast Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So today's a Friday and I'll be fasting. I just have a great weekend. And then on my Tuesdays and Thursdays, I get nice up days and it works really well because you're actually eating very generously more often than not. I switch it up a bit if there's like Christmas or some sort of holiday to maybe 5-2 or to one meal a day or something. So I'm not really – I'm very flexible, but I'm in maintenance, so I'm not really worried about losing weight or anything. I love that.
0: Having 4-3 is a lifestyle – Now I'm like, you know, I haven't had a day where I didn't eat since 2016. So now I'm like, huh, that really does sound fun. I can give you all (laughs) the ADF
1: tips. You could join the text thread, Jen. You could be on the ADF But I
0: love that you have a bunch of friends that are doing it with you. Yeah. How did that come about? So
1: I am kind of an evangelist when it comes to intermittent fasting. And it's just because it's a game changer and it's changed my life. And you do get some naysayers, but it's so funny because eventually people that kind of gave me grief are coming around and like DMing me like, hey, tell me about intermittent fasting. And I'm like, I can't keep good things to myself. So I will go ahead and share. All of my friends basically do intermittent fasting in some form or fashion now. um, And a couple of them (laughs) have joined me on the ADF train love it.
0: Yeah. That's great. So but but not all of them. Some of them are still more like daily eating window. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I I always say like you just have to do what's sustainable for you and what you enjoy. And if you hate ADF, don't do ADF. Like if it's. Right. Or some, you know, like Roxy in the um, social media group, she does the Mealless Monday. And so if you, yeah. if that's what you want to do, just do the Mealless Monday. Once a week? Yeah. Absolutely. Easy. And giving your body that
0: one longer fast mm-hmm. a week to do a little more deep clean and deep repair. Yep, exactly. You know, not feeling you know, like you have to jump into four, three, yeah. but having that one day. And then the rest of the the week, you know, you have your update following that and then the rest can be
1: whatever you like. And I really do like that feeling of clean after a, a nice fast. Another thing, I am taking Melanie's uh, serapeptase. <laughs>
0: oh, are you? Yeah, are you? I actually got it. And ever since we first started talking about serapeptase, and then all of a sudden everyone was like, "Well, then we must all be taking serapeptase." No, yeah. I'm like, "No, stop! Please don't take anything because I said to take." Right. <laughs> well, no, I've been ta- no. I
1: take it because um, my my dad died of early Alzheimer's, so he got uh, okay. diagnosed when he was 59. Just the amyloid plaques that can build up in the brain. I take it only on the down days just to kind of help sweep things along and break up yeah. junky cells and proteins. I did get it just because I was
0: like, I just want to see. Because I hadn't taken serapeptase in years because I took it initially, I was having trouble with fibroids. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was before I was even fasting, I was having trouble with fibroids. And as I was in the fasting world a little bit, I was talking to a friend and she was like, oh, you need serapeptase for fibroids. So I started taking it for that. And see, it's hard to know because I also you know, started clean fasting mm-hmm. at a certain point and then also was taking the serapeptase, and then never had any more trouble with fibroids. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't know which to credit it to. Like a was little it both. Was both? Was I think it both. A little of both. Yeah. But since I never had any more trouble with it, I stopped taking the serapeptase, and and the fibroids never came back. But because I was like, I, you know, if when I take something, I need to know why. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're you're taking it for the amyloid plaque. Uh-huh. Yep. Prevention, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, well, let's just see. I had this weird eyebrow mole, <laughs> and I'm like it sure would be nice if <laughs> something ate that up oh so. my gosh but I, the one I took before was probably nowhere near the quality of melody right so. I know I was like well let's just see but some people have like weird responses to different things. So not everyone needs seropeptides. Right. And you don't need to necessarily take everything every day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I learned that lesson one time. Of one of my friends, Sherry, who does the Life Lessons mm-hmm. podcast with me, was talking about a supplement that changed her life and helped her mood and, or something. And I'm like, well, I need to try that. So I started taking it and I started feeling worse and worse and mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. And I looked it up and it is related to a genetic whatever. Like if you're this genetic something, then this is good for you. And if you're not, it makes you more anxious and Uh-oh. well <laughs> and like that's the last time I'm ever just going to blanket take a supplement
1: yeah that's yeah. it was totally wrong Real, for really my DNA yeah.
0: she needed it I did not
1: Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> but I've been down that supplement rabbit hole many times yeah so I'm I'm glad you can't keep intermittent fasting to yourself. I can't.
1: And honestly, I feel like I sometimes need a commission for fast, feast, repeat, because I recommend it all the time. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's a great book. I I read it. I owned it. I pre-ordered it. And then I also recently listened to it on the audiobook on a long car ride just to cut. Because I feel like that's when you do keep coming back to, because sometimes you just need to refill your mind with the right information. Yeah. And I really worked hard to,
0: you know, have it be a book that would really just have everything so you could come back to it. Yeah. And I hear from a lot of people that read it once, like a long time ago, and then they, you know, were doing intermittent fasting and then never went back to it. They'll pick it back up and go back through it maybe more slowly. Mm -hmm. And they like see things that they missed or like finally it
1: sticks. Or, you know, you're just maybe in a different headspace, and you're like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense for my life Well, you understand it better. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like when I was in college doing my
0: undergraduate work in education, I remember talking to one of the professors in the department. This was like, I don't know, 89, probably. And I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm looking. They had a master's degree program. I'm like, you know, I'm looking at this master's degree program. Would it make more sense? Because, you know, master's degree teachers make more money than Mm -hmm. people with bachelor's degrees. Mm -hmm. So I was like, would it make sense for me to go ahead and get this master's degree? master's degree now. And so I start off making more money. She's like, no, we actually recommend that you teach for a while mm. before you go back, because then you'll understand things differently yeah. after having the, the experience. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. So I went into teaching. I waited, I don't know, seven years, five years, something like that before I started working on my master's degree, probably five. But she was exactly
1: right. It's not just pedagogy at that point. You've actually walked the walk.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So once you've lived the intermittent fasting lifestyle for a while, going back and rereading Fast Feast Repeat or listening to it in the Mm -hmm. car, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's why. That's why that happens. But Mm -hmm. when you were reading it the first time, you were like, just tell me how to do it. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) But I recommend that for people just starting out because everything that they're asking me is already answered in that book. I'm like, just read the book.
0: (laughs) Well, that that whole Frequently Asked Questions section had to, it came about because, you know, when I was writing Fast, Feast, Repeat, I think that was when the original Delay Don't Deny Facebook group hit 100,000 that summer. Oh, wow. We had 100,000 members, which was a huge milestone. And then we like immediately, very quickly went to 200,000 and then 300,000. It just was growing exponentially. But the moderators were so sweet. I was at the beach with friends the day that we hit 100,000, but they actually had a Tiffany butter knife it's like a sterling silver butter knife engraved with that moment the date that we hit a hundred thousand and then they sent it to me and i thought that was just the sweetest Aww.
1: and then you didn't know how crazy it was going to get wasn't it like no, half I didn't. A million? Oh, the whole point to that story <laughs> well
0: oh combined if you put together yeah. the one meal a day group and and the um, advanced group it was four hundred and something thousand approaching wow. half a million but the Point of that story, then I got all sentimental with my Tiffany butter knife, which sits in a point of honor in my China cabinet, <laughs> but was that when you have a group that large, we got every question I know. 100 times a day, yeah. like towards the end before we shut down posting in, in the main group that was over 300,000. I mean, we we had a 1,000 posts a day, and every post had to go through post approval.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's so overwhelming.
0: But they were the same post over and over. Hey, can I use lemon? Hey, can I put a little milk in? Hey, I have a headache. I mean, it was like, I was like, we cannot keep doing this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Please refer so. to the frequently asked questions page. That's, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know that, what's that? Let me Google that for you. That's oh my gosh. I
1: absolutely. Sometimes, and I, <laughs> my I, life turned into, let me Google that for you. Right? I feel like that's my relationship. My husband asked me questions and I'm like, Am I, do you think you married Google? Like Google it. I yeah. don't know. Just Google it. Exactly. Yeah. Let me Google it and then tell you.
0: No, <laughs> anyway. So I, I am a teacher. I'm going to teach you how to find the answer. Yes. Yourself.
1: Yes. <laughs> and you you are a gifted teacher, which it hits home because both of my kids are are gifted, which is actually a special need. I'm finding out. It is. It's very special needs. So I love talking about gifted kids. Now we're going to go down this rabbit hole. So how old are your kids? They're eight and nine. So I love those ages. Yeah, they're very, very sweet. But it's just funny. It sounds like a humble brag when you're like, yeah, I got these gifted kids. It really is a special need. They seek stimulation more than other kids do. And it's kind of exhausting, to be honest.
0: (laughs) It absolutely is. And it is... I'm going to tell you something about teaching. You know, I want you to think of that normal distribution curve, commonly referred to as the bell curve, okay? When you are right in that fat middle section where most people are, that's the sweet spot of being a teacher. Those kids in that middle section, they are the ones who learn how to work hard because they need to work hard. They are the ones that are more compliant. Teachers like that, you know, when your kids are all talking back, that's not... (laughs) challenging you at every, you know, that's not easy, right? You have to be tough for that. But when you get to either end, the left side of that continuum and the right side of that continuum, they are just as different from that fat middle on on each side. So those gifted kids that are on that skinny little section of the curve, they have very special needs. And they They also have a lot of wackiness that comes with it. The farther along they are on the skinny side, the more wacky things come along with them?
1: Well, wasn't there a rat study done where rats actually preferred pain to boredom? I don't remember exactly how how it was constructed, (laughs) but it was like an animal study done showing that these animals will put themselves in pain rather than being bored and so right just think of that as a as a nine-year-old gifted kid where you're like <laughs> picking on Their your brains sister. work more
0: quickly yes you know, think about it as your operating speed we've all had slow computers that worked really slow and then you have like lightning fast computers that can get the work done that's your gifted brain getting the work done and you're like all right now what yeah Sometimes you can go to the dark side, like that's the kid over in the classroom who's like getting into all sorts of trouble because they're bored. And yeah, teachers hate, there are a lot, a lot of teachers really want to fight you if you say my kid is bored in yeah. your class. And they're like, they're like but, but honestly, as a teacher, you have to be open to like, okay, so what can I do?
1: Mine, they happen to be really well-behaved at school. It's just when they get, That's good. They Mine were get not. home and yeah. Well, <laughs> and the biggest problem is they pick on each other for sport because they're bored. And uh, so I'm like, uh, but anyway. Are they girls, boys? Uh, one of each, yeah.
0: One of each, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. But yeah, mine were not that compliant child who's going to sit over there. And, like, it seemed like the answer was always, well, in our classroom, we have the rule that when you're done, you can read a book. And I'm like, well, there's your problem right there because that's nice for the good little kids who will happily sit there and quietly read a book. But Will Stevens needs to move. You know, he's he's not gonna sit there and quietly read a book. You need to have maybe manipulatives over there or something that he can do. Get let him get on the floor and do something. You know, these elementary kids need. I could talk on that soapbox all day. Oh my gosh, I know it's (laughs) just not a good
1: match for them. You know, I I, yeah, we could have like another call of just you giving me advice about these kids.
0: Sorry, I know. What about
1: the (laughs) faster? Yeah.
0: But I think a lot of people do have this struggle with their kids not finding a good match in school. And knowing as a parent that you absolutely can ask for things without coming across as a difficult parent.
1: I mean, just having conversations with the kids. And the teachers at the school are so great. But, yeah, just being able to say, okay, here's here's where we are, just informing the teachers.
0: Yeah. And there were some teachers that were a really good match and some that weren't. and that. It's also hard when they're your colleagues. Oh and my god Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, we've gone all around the world now with, with the with the gifted and everything. So you don't keep it to yourself. You tell everybody yeah. about it. How do you encourage people to get started? Then when you're coming to somebody like they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Why
1: would I do this? Well, I think that you have to break a lot of paradigms. The whole breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I explained that was actually an ad campaign put on by the Kellogg's Corn Flake Corporation. And then also telling them that you are not hurting yourself when you fast because you're allowing yourself to dip into your fat stores. The way I used to diet when I was a calorie counter is I would eat a low amount of calories and then have like crystal light all the time. And so you have that constant stream of insulin from the cephalic insulin response. And that's what hurts your metabolism because you're never dipping into your fat stores. So just kind of challenging some of their paradigms and explaining that we are a very, very, very old species. And think of your caveman ancestors they didn't have access to twinkies 24 7 they right. feasted and then they fasted and they were fine
0: and really when you look back in history at the the people who did have access to all these rich foods like the kings and the queens and the royalty and they had all those illnesses oh that's right you know, like their health was way worse than the peasants
1: that's, right? that's a really good point yeah Think about that. You know, they're up there,
0: you know, eating all the rich foods all the time. And they're like suffering from gout and all these problems. I know. And And we've got the peasants that are just,
1: you know. And they would do wacky like doctoring where they'd get leeches on you and suck out the evil spirits. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Glad we're not doing that anymore. But
0: we've come a long way people feeling like you're hurting yourself. That's the hardest thing. That's one reason I want people to be really steeped in the science of understanding why it is good for you. Because just today on the on the community, someone was talking about she's like, I'm back to intermittent fasting. I feel so much better when I'm doing it. I tried it a little bit. I think in 2020, maybe she was doing it. And she said she let people convince her that it was bad. Yeah, yeah. And then she stopped. And to me, that just says that you're not confident enough in that it is good. Like, you're not going to take any flack from people. I can tell. No.
1: Right? What's so funny. Crystal is not taking no, flack. Well, and that kind of goes back to what we spoke about earlier is I wouldn't say my personalities change. I'm the same fun-loving person, but the security I have in myself is just leaps and bounds different than when I was a teenager. And as a comedy writer, I write all sorts of funny things. And I wrote one, a meme recently about intermittent fasting and people were super attacking on it, which I mean, that's just oh, the gosh. internet. Oh my gosh. I yeah. mean, I've had so many trolls. It's ridiculous. They don't even phase me anymore, but they were like, way to rebrand eating disorders. And, uh, I hope <sighs> someday you'll realize you're starving yourself. And the thing is like, I'm a very secure 41 year old woman. And I can just be like, Bless your heart. But back right. when I was a teenager, that would have really hurt my feelings. It just, I know what I know, and I'm very secure in the science. And I also understand that I eat more than I ever did in my dieting career, and I'm having more success. So just because I choose to structure my 13,000 calories a week in a window doesn't mean that I'm doing something wrong versus Absolutely. the person that's on a low-carb, low-cal diet, 1,200 a day, spreading it out from seven to seven, and not having any success.
0: And it's hard to really explain that that is actually more restrictive. Eating 1,200 yes. calories a day, seven days a week oh is more restrictive than intermittent fasting. And that, if we could just get everybody to understand that. By the way, I need to say that if anyone hears what sounds like a cat fight, you're <laughs> literally having having a cat fight. <laughs> Will is home with us. He's my 22-year-old. He yo-yoed back, which we're we're loving having him home. But he brought his cat, Pepper, who's Mm. nine months old and really wants to be friends with my cats. And they really don't want to be friends with him.
1: Well, I did not hear anything, but I have two pugs, so they often wrestle. Yeah. There might be a cat fight at any time, so just be aware. (laughs) Because I can hear it kind of in the distance, (laughs) but
0: hate that there's still you know, people would just attack
1: oh my goodness well that's the thing is like as a writer i've had a lot of things go viral and that's how i kind of know that something's going viral is i'll get a lot of vitriol and mean dms and stuff and for me it's more like that is so awful that hurts my heart no i'm not hurt by it at all though i mean but I, it hurts me hurts me for society uh, well okay so here's i actually i used to live in the uk for a long time and i was watching this documentary about trolls Okay, I would like to hear
0: it Oh, okay, you know, yes. I've faced This'll, that it myself. Yes,
1: this will settle you a little bit about why people do this. And a lot of times they're drunk, honestly. They're drunk online and they're trying to be funny, but they don't know how. Or they're just trying to get attention or they're bored. And then, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but I can think back to times that I've done stupid stuff when I was drinking. So well, I that have- makes a sense. That yeah. makes me feel better.
0: Imagine they're like really wasted.
1: They're drunk. They don't know what they're doing. Okay. That helps. Think about an embarrassing moment you had when you were drinking. I'm sure you've, right. ne- you've never, but I have. Oh no, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> and, um and I just think I have a lot of sympathy for them and a lot of forgiveness for them. Now, I think I always tell my kids forgiveness and trust are two different things. Like, oh yeah. If you're a jerk, you're you're getting your butt banned from my page, right? I don't trust you anymore, but I'm not mad at you cuz probably you, That's were, good. you were just drinking with your friends. And then the other thing, and this is totally a side note, but There's this new thing that young men do called negging, and that's when a young man will go into your DM, so your direct messages, and put you down, and it's a psychological tactic for you to try to then win their approval, and it's what they do... it's gross. It's really gross. But the thing That's awful. It's awful. But the thing about intermittent fasting is I look a lot younger than my age and so these young men think that I'm in my 20s and they'll do that to me and I'll just write them back and I'm like, "I'm old enough to be your mom, sweetheart. Wear a jacket." <laughs> so they so let me see if I understand
0: this. Yeah. They are sending private messages yes. to women yes. or girls frequently putting them down and ho- and the response is that the girl comes back and defends herself. Yes, like yes.
1: g- It's a way of getting in your head. So now I've got to earn this guy's approval, and I and I just think. That's so sweet, honey. But that doesn't work on a 41-year-old woman. I'm sorry. that That's awful. Oh, my gosh. I feel so sad for this generation. You should be glad you have boys instead of girls because there's a lot. I'm also glad that
0: my boys would never do that. Of course, Cal is married. He got married at uh, 21. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Will. Will has got such a kind heart. He would never do that to anybody.
1: Thank goodness. These young men, they'll also sometimes try to like mansplain to me things. And I'm like, honey, honey, I'm old enough to be your mother." like, you don't need to right, explain how right. the world works to me. Like, go go back no. to your video games. I know I'm being really Bless condescending. but
0: <laughs> I don't know. I got to the point where I stopped looking. Are you on Facebook looking at DMs? What platform?
1: So I have a, a decent Facebook following. And then I have Instagram is kind of where you tend to get more DMs because that's more where the younger people okay. are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: look at those requests. I just don't. Anybody could be – someone really important could be trying to send me a message on Instagram. And if it's in that little requests area, that's something I had to learn to harden myself against because I got some crazy things over the years. Like, I still – feel sweaty when I think about the one girl who was in the One Meal a Day group one time. She was just absolutely crazy. We blocked her from the page because she was awful. And then she sent me a private message and said she was going to haunt me from ghost accounts until the day she died. And I'm like, oh, my God, someone could come and kill me. So I'm psycho. I could like make the wrong
1: person mad. So I'm like, OK, no more of that. I do struggle with that myself as well. So far, I think people are too lazy to come and come and kill me me this person
0: did live in canada (laughs) she lived in canada and so hopefully she wouldn't be able to come all the way here to murder me or whatever but she was mad she was really over fasting she was a vegan i have no problems with vegans i have no problems with fasting obviously but she was like fasting for four days then eating one meal then fasting for four days then eating one meal yeah that's not the approach i recommend
1: well, you always have to think that those people will find someone to be mad at. So if just like, okay, yeah. just let them go. And-, and we were very kind. We were very yeah. kind, like we always were in the group.
0: And we're like, we don't recommend that. Here's why. We, You know, you may want to eat more food because your metabolism, even with fasting. Yeah. And it made her just really, really mad. She wanted us to endorse that she was fasting for four days than eating one meal. And on a group that I feel responsible yeah. for, I'm not going to endorse behaviors that I feel like are risky and dangerous. Yes. So we were very kind. We were not like hateful to her but she kept like going on and on like this i'm gonna keep doing it. this works for me why are you so afraid of fasting i'm like which well, we're not afraid of fasting but so you know sometimes you just have to remove people from groups yeah. and oh my lord
1: i'm glad i don't have to do that uh, but i do block a fair amount of folks
0: <laughs> well we, we blocked her we blocked her and that's when she came back and was really account. awful to me with haunting me from ghost accounts, maybe oh she goodness. still is and I just don't know it. I'm not sure. But the thing is, is that, that I learned a lesson that day. It's when you block someone from the group and they know it was you, then you also block them personally and then they can't message you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Isn't that sad that you have to learn these techniques? Well, and that we're having to teach these to our kids now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Block them and then block them here. I mean, I guess we did have crank phone calls back in the day, but they could call (laughs) it, get your mom, not you, because everyone had that same number at your house.
1: Our kids don't even understand that. The phone rang and you
0: had to say, hello, who are you trying to reach?
1: Because it could be anybody. I know. And then there was (laughs) an answering machine with a tape.
0: Yeah, the tape. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Times have changed. But, yeah, we have to teach our kids social media Mm -hmm. etiquette for sure. And
1: how to respond to things that are hurtful. And how to understand, like, what to take seriously and what not to take seriously. Like, I've had people, I mean, they're so mean, tell me that I, this is a funny one. Somebody was like, this girl is an ugly Skinny loser, and she should kill herself. And I was like, "Oh, she said that about you." Yeah, but I was like, "He called Somebody's- me skinny, though." Hello.
0: Uh, <laughs> I just can't believe that. Hopefully, that guy was drunk, like you said. Yeah. I can't believe someone would. That just. <laughs>
1: Don't worry. I'm not worked up by mind. it. I'm not worked up by it. Well,
0: it makes me, like I said, upset for the world yeah. that people would think it's okay to say things like that to other I mean, people, well, someone
1: in our is, community. Yeah. The anonymity of social media where you're just like, I'm behind mm-hmm. a keyboard and I'm drinking in my mom's basement. And so it happens. Yeah. Well,
0: that that is why I left Facebook and I have not been back. And I remember when I left, someone was like, oh, you'll be back. And I'm like, I'm not, you don't know how stubborn I am. <laughs> Same. I will not be back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am still on Instagram as of now, but I don't check DMs that are, are restricted or that little private one where people that you don't aren't connected with. But that protects me, yeah. you know, and my my feelings. Well, you know, I want to do... spend my time on people that want my time, and right? Yeah. I don't want to spend my time on people that don't.
1: You're doing so much of a service for humanity right now, like, with what you do, that you have to have those boundaries of what's going to enable you to continue on, because we need the Jen Stevens of the world to teach us intermittent fasting. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. There really were days when I wanted to walk
0: away. Since I left Facebook, I haven't had those days. Good. Yeah. So that really, if anybody's listening, you know, sad that the Facebook group, because the advanced group was a special place. The one mill a day group was a special place. The regular delayed on deny group was a special place till it got so big that we couldn't, yeah. couldn't physically manage it. I don't know Have you ever heard me talk about how people would pancake us. No, ever heard me What's talk. That? I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the air. We ha- we called it getting pancaked. There was a loophole. Facebook has now closed it, but this is how what what we had to do behind the scenes. There was a loophole where all these like bots or like whatever accounts were getting a post approved. By copying an old post, like they there was one about Hashimoto's they loved to try to get approved, whatever. Then they, they would copy other posts like, I am on my fifth week of fasting. I've lost 10 pounds. I'm doing great. And it'd be like an amazing post. And it would look like a very legitimate account. So you would approve it. Then they would go in and they would edit it. Um. And the edits did not go back through post approval. So the first edit would be, today I'm 10 days sober or something. And so then a bunch of people would like, 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 engage with that post because that's a very exciting thing. And then it's like going up or they would say something like the admins of the group are about to close the group for anyone who's not active. So like this post to not get removed. And then people would like, 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 like. And then they would go back and edit it one more time and it would be these are the best pancakes I've ever eaten. Click here for keto pancake recipes or something. Oh, no. And then it so would be... So we called it getting pancake. Yeah. So we would be like in the moderator group. We're like, oh, I think we're about to get pancake <laughs> And it would be <laughs> spam? We would watch the post. Like, yeah, it's, it's like always a virus? Like, I don't know what happened if you clicked on that oh, link, but I never clicked on it. But it was always that same one. So there's like some kind of a workplace, some in some country where they're going into Facebook groups and getting posts approved. And now that post approval had to go back through, like if you edited, it went back through. Now they just do that in comments. Like they post the spam as comments. Never click on the link
1: in the comments. Never, (laughs) never.
0: (laughs) But it was it was funny to see what people were doing. I don't know what happened if you clicked on it, why they wanted you to click there so badly.
2: Well,
1: and that's the thing is like, especially elderly people, they get really confused on social media, really, and they get really bad information sometimes because they don't understand all of these nuances of what's true and what's a bot. But anyway, exactly, it's true. Covered it a lot of a crazy crowd
0: here. Jen. We have, we have. <laughs> I'm enjoying. I'm. It's early morning. I'm drinking my coffee. Me it's too. not that early, but <laughs> my black coffee. My black coffee. Have you seen my cup? This is my Let's calamity wear. Have you seen Calamity Wear? That's a... It looks like Blue Willow for anyone who's listening. This is a zombie poodle. Oh my we've goodness! We've got robots. That's cute. We've got. If you go around here, we've got like Bigfoot is there. But it looks like Blue Willow, it so does. it looks like you know really fancy, but, but it's, it's got like Bigfoot. really kind of kind of naughty. So I have the whole set of China. <laughs> but let's circle back to intermittent oh, yeah, let's fasting. Let's do it
1: for the viewers. <laughs>
0: let's do it. So you've been an intermittent faster for four yeah. years. You talked about
1: how you struggled with your weight. Mm-hmm. People always want to know how much weight yeah. did
0: you lose? Sort of. So a thing.
1: yeah, I wanted to preface this by saying that I'm really petite. So you know those people that can carry a lot of weight. I'm not one yeah. of them. If I gain 25 pounds, I look like a Campbell's soup can. It goes to my face and my bingo wings, which is the bat wings. Weight-wise, I really don't weigh myself because I don't want to be obsessed with the scale. At the doctor, I was 107. Now I'm about 5'2 and a half, so that's still very healthy BMI for me. But I know that low of a number can sort of shock people and make people feel bad about themselves. But I just want you to know that I can't, I can't carry weight. I'm just it's just not my body is not made that way. Well, you've seen that picture of people
0: that are all I yeah. think I just talked about this on the last episode where they're all wearing the white camis yep. yep. and, they and all they're all standing 150 155 yeah. Yeah. or something. Yeah. And so yeah, so yeah, 107 is a perfectly great weight for someone of your height and your bone structure. Yes. I'm, I can see you. You look
1: fabulous. Yeah, I'm not too thin at all. No, not at all. So I wear like a size zero or a two. Back before intermittent fasting, I was hovering probably in the 130s and really, really, really struggling just to maintain that. You know, my body fat percentage is pretty good. I think it's like 20%, which is totally normal. I'm a small, petite person, and I don't worry about the scale. Don't worry about my weight. I love it. Yeah. 25 pounds on a 5'2". It's a lot.
0: Small frame is enough to make you feel really uncomfortable. And it's
1: weird too cuz like where I lost the weight, you think that it would be like very like hourglass, but I I didn't realize I had back fat. You have these yeah. like deposits where you're like, oh, it comes from everywhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it really does. But yeah, I, th- I think that's just important to, to understand that we can't just look at a number. No, it's, it's so much more than so much more than a number. And if I gained ten pounds, I would definitely feel it yeah. and know it, and I would feel more uncomfortable than I feel when I'm in my my good range. Yeah. So we want to feel good in our bodies. That's the main thing.
1: Yeah, and it is a range too because you know we fluctuate. But I don't worry about it. I'm like I'm in maintenance. I'm just gonna keep on keeping on, and I enjoy my life and. I'm happy and I'm, I, and I love, and it works. Yeah. The best part is that it feels good and it works. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So how would you describe your eating style? Like foods? Has that changed at all over time? I know you mentioned you were a vegan vegetarian. No, yeah. That
1: was just, that was For a while short lived. Yeah. yeah. For a briefly. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, We tried everything, right? It's kind yeah. of work. Yeah. I eat whatever I want. I am a food snob. So if something's not window worthy, I'll put it right down. But yeah, I enjoy what I want. And if there's something I want, but I'm in my fasting window, I'll just say I will have it later. Since I've started fasting, I've become quite the baker. I used to be afraid of like baked goods and carbs and uh-huh. sugar because of the intense struggle I had just keeping weight off. And now I'm like really good baker and I make beautiful cakes and cinnamon rolls and it's super fun.
0: It is fun. I love to bake, too. I, I haven't had much time for it, so um I've found this company that I like. They have frozen really high quality like sourdough bread Ooh. from like fermented whatever I don't even know, yeah, but they send it it's frozen. I can put it in the oven and it's like I baked it, but I didn't yeah. <laughs> I would like to get back to baking when things slow down a little bit. You gotta I have love time to for do it. it. yeah, you really do have to have time for it, and that was the thing cause you have to plan several hours back Mm -hmm. from when you want to have it. Yep, exactly. So I just don't have that time for that planning just right now, but I got my grain mill, I have all my
1: tools. There you go,
0: fun. Ready to get going again, but it's just not quite the right season for that now. But we were having that conversation last night at dinner with Will. He's sitting at the table and we're eating and I know we were just talking about food and he's never dieted and he really, I guess if you think back to my crazy diet years, he was born in 99 and I really found intermittent fasting and stuck with it in 2014. So he doesn't really have a memory, and he's a boy right of all those years that I was doing this diet crazy diet, whatever. yeah, so he doesn't really even understand
1: dieting and food freedom. Yeah, well, my kids they' are just like, yeah, Mommy fast, And I try to explain it to them too. I'm like, intermittent fasting is not for kids because you're you're growing in right. your body right now. It's good for mommy to take a give her digestive system a break. And they see yep. me eat. That's the thing is they don't have, I don't have any issues around food. I, last night had chicken sandwiches and French fries right with them. Baked in the oven, like nice, good. Food's not French fries, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You're yeah. right. That's, I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. I will
1: bake those fries or I'll cut up a potato,
0: toss them in olive yep. oil, put them in the oven. They're actually better and they don't make my stomach hurt. Yep. Like the kind that you get that are fried in the cheap oil. They make my stomach hurt. <laughs> Sadly, because I'm sad about that. Because I would like to be able to go, the, you know, those crinkle cut French fries that they'll have like at a hot dog stand. They have those at Costco. So if in the frozen section, so you can go and buy them okay. and bake them in your and oven and bake them. Mm-hmm. But I used to love to go like to the little restaurants and have the chili dog with mustard on there and the the crinkle cut fries. But now that kind of fast food kind of yeah. stuff. Just, I think all the oils are different now. When we were yeah. young, they fried it in like beef tallow
1: at McDonald's. The, it was different. I had some beef fried French fries on a business trip in Kansas City and they were just to die for. No, St. Louis. Oh, my gosh. They were so good. But uh, yeah, also, I think if you go to the fast food place, they're reusing the oil. Like 12 hours exactly. a day. It's rancid. It's gross. Yeah.
0: That's why it makes your
1: stomach hurt. So
0: I'm just sad because I would like to have them and I can't. I know. <laughs> I can't because I don't want to have a stomachache. Yeah. I just, I would rather not have yeah. a stomachache. Yeah. So I just am longing for the ability to eat. But mm, anyway. Just bake them. <laughs> I'm, that's the easiest thing. And I also just mainly stay home all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just cook the food, eat the food. It's, it works out. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you have the food freedom after all those years yeah. of counting. Do you still count at all, ever, just out of curiosity? You said you do a little. I count just to make sure I have enough see.
1: calories. That's enough. Yeah, that's Did the that funny awesome. thing. Yeah, And that's a lot of the stumbling block for people with alternate daily fasting is that they the up days actually are harder for them than the down days because they can't it's true. get enough. So, Yeah. You hear that a
0: lot. Like, people will struggle. And uh, one of the flaws I think people have in their thinking is they're like, oh, I should probably try to fast longer that second day. And so they'll like try to wait till like two o'clock to open their up day window. And I'm like, and then they're like, well, I can only eat one meal. I'm not hungry enough. Do I have to force myself? I'm like, you got to open your window earlier or your, your up day needs to start early enough for you to have the hunger to eat yes. what you need to eat. Yes. If you wait too long, you will struggle to get in enough food, oh, and yeah. that is not what you want. On
1: my updates, I I think I have a, about an eight-hour eating window, give or take, depending yeah. on how long, I and mean, we can go shorter or longer, but yeah, I definitely eat more than one meal, probably two or three. Yeah, that's what we recommend.
0: At least, really, I always say at least six to eight hours, but honestly, I could still eat a lot in six hours, but I would probably need, if I were really doing an up day, I don't think six hours would cut it for me. I would probably need 10 really, honestly. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or
1: what do you wish you knew when you first started? So the clean fast is super duper important. And if you have trouble with your coffee being black, I would say water it down a little bit or have it iced yes. and you will get used to it. I find it's really important to have support because if you're reaching out with your goals and intentions to your friends, you tend to let them down less than you would let yourself down, right? With my little text thread I was telling you about earlier, we tend to notice um, on down days, we will get like an 11 a.m. hunger wave. And that's usually when your body's switching from its glycogen to its fat source. And then about 4 p.m. We call it the mind games. And that's just when you're not hungry but you would want the dopamine hit of food. And so, you know, this is when you're watching TV and you're just getting livid at McDonald's commercials and you want to punch the TV. <laughs> and so we just... are. your husband is eating chips yes. and you want to punch him. Yes, yes, exactly. You just are like <laughs> irrationally angry about food and it's because yeah. you want the dopamine. So there's something about anticipating these bumps in the road that takes the sting out of them when they occur. So we just reach out to each other during that, and we're like, 11 a.m. hunger wave, 4 p.m. mind games, yeah. right on time, just anticipating those things. And then there's a real power in distraction. You've got to, sometimes yeah, you just have to find something that will distract you, whether it's. One of my favorite things is looking at online real estate that I will never buy, you know? <laughs> I love to do that too. It's so fun. <laughs> I mean I,
0: re- I, I go to realtorcom Me too. I love I, it. I look like the place where we
1: bought our little beach cottage, I always see what's new for sale yeah. today. Well you can you <laughs> get look it in your it. mailbox <laughs> if you've bought a house recently. So yeah, I mean just like find ways to distract yourself and before you know it, the hunger wave or the mind games are over. But it's interesting because you do get You have these bodily reactions, right? Your body switches from glycogen to fat stores. And that's when your body is saying like, hey, by the way, we're about to switch fuel sources. If there's something around, eat that instead. And you have to say, no, thanks, we're good. We don't have any resource problems in our modern day with food. We have plenty. So go ahead and switch to the fat stores. And then the mind games too of like, okay, I know that I'm like, low on dopamine and I need to go pet my dogs or laugh with my children or do something else. Give somebody a hug. Yeah, do something else to build up that dopamine. So not every signal your body is giving you to eat is because you need food. That's
0: right. And understanding that metabolic switch Mm -hmm. mid-morning or midday is really important because there's a lot of people who are new and they come in and they're like, well, I just can't. I get really hungry at hour 16 and I have to eat. And I'm like, you know, if you just would give it 30 minutes yeah.
1: just drink after some you water, feel that. Take a Because that's,
0: you know, I was wearing a CGM and I noticed that was when my blood sugar went down into the 70s. But then it just stayed there. And then with minutes, I felt great like way better so that signal that's like your body like you just said making that
1: switch Mm -hmm. and saying could you send something down maybe and then if you don't they're like all right i'll burn my fat yeah like (laughs) so i'm and i just tell my body no today you're gonna have like love handles for lunch or bingo rings
0: (laughs) well crystal i have so enjoyed talking to you thank you so much for being here today do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell email me Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because
2: it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window.